0: Welcome to our big weekly podcast, where we will chat with CEOs and founders of some of the most interesting and influential asset management companies in the world.
1: People-related business and financial services, I think corporate culture is absolutely essential. And I mean, uh, that's something we really wanted to safeguard through the pandemic, through the lockdown, uh, through remote working, was was retaining that corporate culture.
0: Today, we have with us uh, Gavin Rutowsen. CEO of Polar Capital. Thank you so much for being here today, Gabi.
1: Good morning, Patricia. Very nice to be here. Uh,
0: First of all, please uh, tell us a little bit about you. So how did you start your career in the financial industry and was this always your vocation?
1: Well, I'm I'm actually, I grew up in South Africa, um, as you can hear by the accent, and I'm a a, a chartered accountant. So I came up through the accountancy side uh, and spent uh, 12 years in the profession, then five years as CFO of a public company. Uh, and then moved to the uk about 20 years ago and uh, to to effectively be chief executive of a, a multi a european multi-family office so i got very very much involved in selecting uh fund managers best of breed on an open architecture basis um did that for seven eight years until the financial crisis and then i, I was approached to go and run jo hambro capital management which is a, a specialist boutique um, Asset manager, I got to know through my Fleming connections. And um, again, there my, my task was to rescue the business um, coming through the crisis, build it up uh, and pr- provide long-term succession for the business. Uh, that led me to Polar Capital. Um, I joined Polar just under five years ago now. And again, it's a specialist, um, fundamental bottom-up research-led boutique, uh, 16 autonomous teams. And we're managing about 28 billion euros at the moment across all of our strategies.
0: How is your, your day-a-day with the investment teams? How would your day-a-day look like? Well,
1: I mean, we, we, we are investment-led, so we, we are driven by performing for our clients. And uh, three things, I think, differentiate us uh, from our uh, competitors. One is we give our investment teams complete investment autonomy so so they are able to run their portfolios exactly the way they have always run them uh, to perform for their clients, so track records are very important for us. The second thing they have is, uh, is capacity management, so we don't let their funds get too large because we are a strong believer in that uh, volume destroys performance over time. So we keep the funds um, at a a level where they can continue to perform. And the third key factor with with these teams is um, a completely transparent and aligned compensation structure. So they are compensated uh, on a transparent basis and they're, they're remuneration is aligned with the performance they give to their their clients and their investors so that's how the the the, the firm is, is is structured um each of the teams uh, reports directly into me and we have a very very strong well-developed risk and oversight team who provide support for those teams to make sure that they they, they they're taking the right risks for the commensurate returns they're getting in their portfolios
0: I really like the part you said that you uh, allow them some autonomy because I guess like uh, this is part of the of the culture in Polar Capital. The corporate culture, isn't it? Um, how would you define the corporate culture at, at Polar Capital? And do you think this is important? Do you think like a corporate culture, like a strong corporate culture, is this important?
1: No, I, th- I think Patricia, it's one of the most important things of of, of an asset management business, particularly uh, a, a people-related business in financial services. I think col- corporate culture is absolutely essential, and I mean uh, that that's something we really wanted to safeguard through the pandemic, through the lockdown, uh, through remote working was was retaining that corporate culture, and our culture is 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 one of transparency uh, and of meritocracy. So so we are, we reward for success. Um, we we like to develop people from different backgrounds um and it really is a, a meritocracy and it's a very very open transparent corporate culture so we we encourage communication and of course communication goes both ways communication is not just me communicating with my teams it's them communicating back uh and and that fosters a a, a culture of trust uh and obviously a, a belief in succeeding for your clients and your objectives. so i, I would say the most important thing uh, in a boutique like ours and in fact any fund manager is culture Absolutely critical uh, and coming through the pandemic and reopening now. Uh, and we've got our staff back in the office now um, at least three days a week. Uh, it's all about safeguarding that culture and avoiding culture dilution. It's great, it's, it's Patricia, you, you hit the nail on the head there.
0: I guess like you mentioned, like during the pandemic, I think the pandemic was hard for everyone. And, and so how, how did you keep your, your team motivated during this this hard time?
1: Well, I mean, you know, like most of our industry, we were very well equipped from an IT and technology perspective to actually all work from home and, and dial in. But uh, again, just constant communication using tools like Zoom, Teams and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, I would have a, a firm wide communication every single Friday afternoon, just summing up what we did, did during the week. So this goes to all the staff across the, the entire organization worldwide. Uh, and we have five or six offices around the world and 200 people. Uh, so it was absolutely critical that, that there was that communication on a weekly basis to say how we were doing, how our performance was doing and so on and so forth. And of course, um, that, that openness and that communication, that culture really stood us in good stead during that um, that remote working um, environment. Of course, as, as, as we all did um, here in Europe, we reopened in the summer uh, very, very tentatively. Uh, only to lock down again uh, later in the summer as the case numbers went up. But we, we we were able to deal with that because, again, we'd managed to make sure that the communication really was working well. Um, what 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 was absolutely key for us also is we'd spent a lot of uh, investment investing in digital marketing um, and the whole digitalization of our marketing and sales process. So we were able to swap from face-to-face client meetings uh, and presentations to uh, digital podcasts um, uh, and webcasts and so on and so forth so we actually increased our client communication during that period significantly um, and particularly looking after existing clients because as we went into the pandemic what most clients were worried about was their existing investments. They weren't concerned about making new investments. They weren't concerned about being sold new products or anything like that. What they were concerned about was what's happening to the existing portfolio uh, and what's happening to the existing fund, because of course they have their own clients to look after and to answer to. So for us, it was absolutely key. We stayed in constant communication with those clients to make sure they really understood what was happening to their portfolios.
0: And that also comes back to the corporate culture. I guess when you have these motivated teams that makes them also keep the clients happy so so yeah I, I agree with you and and yeah i mean obviously at that point in time and now that everyone has come back to the offices i guess uh, we have seen how like the com the companies that have been able to adapt better to, to digitalization and been able to be in contact with the clients had a better performance Um, And in terms of like the also coming back, because obviously we we are talking about corporate culture and how important it is. And uh, you talked about meritocracy as well. And how do you how how do you have like this? um, How do you make your teams? What resources do you give to them to be able to evolve in their careers? What kind of? Of resources
1: yeah, I am mean I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm personally a very, very big believer in education and training. So, you know, uh, the, these are uh, world uh, top fund managers in their fields you know, they run technology fund, healthcare fund, financials fund, very, very specialist areas for our institutional clients. Um, and we believe you've got to continue to train them, to educate them, to bring them up to speed. You would, you would never have a world-class Olympic athlete and not continue to train them and have a manager. So, so, so we on, believe in ongoing training, coaching, mentoring, and that, that's important for us. Uh, and my personal view, and this goes back to the culture of Polar Capital, is, is, is um, the world is full of inequality. Um, the I think the financial crisis back in 2009, that really did increase inequality globally. Uh, and I think it got worse as we recovered from that. And of course, the, the pandemic did exactly the same again. So I think, economic and wealth inequality globally is 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 increasing and we need to try and decrease that and my view is is the only way we can do that is through education so polar capital has a a, a very uh, extensive program of actually providing bursaries for um, some london city school here where we take uh, students from very very diverse backgrounds students who could never dream of going to university and we provide them with mentoring uh, we provide them with bursaries so we can effectively attract into the industry into our sector the best talent, people that might not have otherwise had the chance. And I I, I think if you can make a difference to someone's life like that, they will live through that experience and they will do the same thing as they develop and and they grow. So for me, education is absolutely the key. So Polar in our social program, part of our whole ESG development, uh, we spend a lot on internships, Traineeships uh, for people from uh, from diverse backgrounds, and that's both gender diversity, social diversity, and of course ethnic diversity. Absolutely key because we believe that the more diverse your teams are, the better the result you get um, for, for for your clients. And we've we've seen the proof of that. It actually it actually does work. Um, so you know, for me, education is is absolutely key. And personally, I'm involved on on a number of governing bodies of schools uh, where I do get involved because um, without educating people they won't realize how you deal with inequality. Um, and that and inequality is is is, is 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 the main reason for poverty globally.
0: I totally agree with you. Um, and I'm, I was going to ask that as well, right? Like what kind of internships and what kind of opportunities you give to people? Because obviously from outside, from people that um, maybe haven't been all their lives in the financial industry, sometimes it seems like a bit not very diverse. So it's really nice to hear that actually you know, asset managers are doing things for, for having like a, a more diverse uh, financial industry because I think that is key and that is very important. And I also agree with the part of education, both inside of the organization, but also like at, like attracting um talent from outside because i think that that is key i totally agree with you and think of that because i think like talent and, and education and, and always leads to success uh, to, to, to success sorry and um, how would you define success what, what does because you talked about your also your involvement in in the schools, and, and you seem very motivated and very like involved
1: with the with the society. So, no, no. I mean, uh, how 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 do you define success? That's a that's a, that's a very <laughs> very important question. I, I think success as the chief executive of a, of, a, of a listed asset manager, I think success is 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 performing for your clients, growing shareholder value, um, and giving to society. So, so we so we. So I think every corporate entity, whether you, you're publicly listed like we are, whether you're private, you do have an obligation uh, to give back to society. I think, in terms of personal success, and I I tell all my managers this, I tell my staff this, and I say, I think you you have to seek to achieve a life of substance. Uh, And that word substance is an interesting word. And I I think, how do you define a life of substance? Because if you if you lead a life of substance, then you're succeeding. And the way I define substance is you give back to society more than you take. So I think throughout the course of what you do, whether it's your job, whether it's your, your whatever you do. Um, if you can always seek to give back more to society than you take out, I think that being successful. I think that, I think you're achieving success. so that's that's my very simple definition. Um, and I mean if you, if you think like that through everything you do, um you should end up making the world a better place and being successful.
0: I, I totally agree with you. I think like when people have like lots of resources, uh, we should give them as well to say this. Other people also have those resources. Uh, especially the ones that you know we are like lucky enough to you know to be to be able to to have like things and, and have a job and, and have like um, I don't know food and these kind of basic things that, that we all need to, to live and to grow. Um, so like this is the the last the last question and I think this is a very interesting one because obviously as you were like very bold don't like other people, um, what advice would you give to to people like wanting to start a career in finance? Uh, because also, like coming back to the thing, like as you were saying earlier, maybe someone is listening to you and like oh, yeah, I don't think I can get to that point or I, I don't think I don't know how I can get there. Uh, what, what advice would you give to people?
1: Well, you know, I mean, again, uh, look at websites, be very inquisitive. Um, most asset managers are looking for staff. They all have diversity programs at the moment. Um, and a lot of them are trying to attract diverse uh, people into their, into their businesses. And um, my advice to someone starting off, whether they're still at school, whether they have just finished university, and they've graduated is spend a lot of time looking at websites and, and have a look at the big companies. We have a an investment association here in the UK, which runs a, a program called investment 2020, and they are fantastic. They, they, they look for candidates and they supply those candidates to the industry, um, the, the association industry. Um, and it's incredible the quality of candidates you get who would never thought of coming into the financial services industry so so when someone says to me Gavin how do I go about this just go onto the website go into the the, the the investment association go onto the big fund managers um, they'll all have uh, pages on there and just try and learn as much as possible about these businesses because they all have very very good programs uh, but just being and, and don't just do what's easy to do I mean I, I think the the, the the big thing is you must do what you enjoy doing when you enter into a career make sure it's something you really really enjoy because you typically will do far better at something you enjoy than doing something you don't enjoy because i mean yeah, if it's just a job to earn some money that's fine and a lot of people have to do that but actually you'll really thrive and succeed if you end up in a career that you really really enjoy Uh, like i do i mean i think that's um that comes through in what i say so my my uh, message to youngsters is be inquisitive ask many questions uh, and do something you think you really would enjoy
0: i think it's a really good advice and i'm also like thinking on on a, on, a, on a sector which is like mostly very traditional also like some people maybe are look at looking at a career in finance and are thinking, well i don't know if, if this might be for me what would you say to you say to people well we are not that traditional we are doing so many things like as you said earlier like you know you're doing lots of things like to use diversity and to make everything accessible for people, uh, what would you say in terms of that? Like, if I'm saying to you like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I would love to work in finance, but I'm not sure if this is for me. Like, what would you say to them?
1: Well, I would say try and apply for an internship. I mean, we we offer a two week summer internship for people who don't quite know whether it's for them or not. And we say, look, you know, join us for two weeks. We, 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 we pay for the internship. They get a very, very comprehensive program of insights into various parts of our business into our industry we take them on tours to the city to see the trading floors uh, and at the end of that two weeks it gives them a fairly good idea as to whether that's for them or if, if it isn't for them so that's specifically why we do that um, and these will be candidates who are approaching us during the course of year saying look you know we, we, we we're thinking of the industry but we just don't quite know whether that's that's for us or not so uh, and again most of the firms offer that sort of thing traineeships same thing you know i mean i, I know they're difficult to get to get onto, but we offer a, a one-year traineeship, fully paid, uh, we take them on every single year, uh, and typically about half of those trainees actually get full-time positions after that year um, at the company. Uh, probably the other half decide it's not the industry for them, they, they'd rather do something else. And, and for us, that's fine. We, we don't think we've failed. I think we've, we, what we've done is we've demonstrated to those individuals that actually um, it's something they don't want to do. They, wanted, they, they prefer to do something else. Um, So I think those traineeships are quite important um, to to, to get involved in. Um, And also, you know, you can you can get into the financial services sector through a number of different ways. I mean, I'm a chartered accountant and I've sort of ended up in the profession running uh, financial services businesses now for the last 25 years. Um, And I didn't think I'd ever do that when I first qualified as an accountant. I thought I'd always just be sort of a finance man, you know, adding up the numbers for a a, a company. Um, So you see you develop over the years, but um, the key, the key, Patricia, is just just be inquisitive and just keep on asking questions.
0: <clears throat> I think it's a really good advice. And uh, yes, yeah, so we have got to the end of the conversation. I just want to say thank you so much for being here today with me, Gabby. And uh, I have very much enjoyed our conversation. I think it was lovely. And I learned so much about you and, and about fuller and, and about your corporate culture. And I hope like your words have also motivated others and yeah, because I also believe in the in the importance of education and, and of yeah. a healthy corporate culture. Yeah. And to all our listeners, stay tuned and uh, we will have more shortly. Thank you so much, Gabby.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you all.
0: Okay, thank you.